if the world had a front porch like we did back then, we'd still have our differences, but we'd all be friends, treating your neighbor like he's your next of kin, wouldn't be gone with the wind, if the world had a front porch like we That's Michael and Carrie Klein singing, If the World Had a Front Porch. And it's probably this image of the old-fashioned front porch conversation on a summer's evening that most accurately describes their work as public folklorists. People, young and old, talking to each other about their lives and the way things used to be. Here are a few in Pendleton County. The old folks, they took care of the land. And... uh, they would rotate their fields and everything about every three years. And about all they had was animal waste, you know, for fertilizing and everything. That's the way we did our farming was with horses. We didn't have any tractors or anything like that. You got out, you got to plow, you hooked him onto a plow. If you was going to mow, you hooked him into the mow machine. Whatever you was going to do, you had to hook the horse to it to pull it because you had no other power. We make histories out of people's voices, out of people's recollections, ruminations and reflections about themselves. Compiled together, it turns out to be the history of daily life. In this case, in our region, in West Virginia, in the southern mountains. But individually, it's testimonial. It's the way that people have survived and the way that their forebears have survived. They used to get wild honey. They would find it in a tree, and they'd cut that tree and then extract the honey from the tree. And some of it would be real dark in the comb, and they'd bring it in in big buckets, and you'd just have honey all year. We work with audio. We feel that we're getting different results if we're not interviewing someone with lights in their face, for example. But the work is not without imagery. It's not without pictures. When you give people room to have their say, they will most likely paint pictures with words so that you can visualize exactly that place. I remember I had to pass a sawmill to get to school. The hills were dotted with sawmills. I could stand on my porch when I was a kid and hear at least seven or eight sawmill whistles blow. Some of them were large sawmills, big band mills, and some of them was just honky-tonk, hinky-dinks. Or two or three men worked, but uh, I don't remember when the chestnut was in its prime, but I remember seeing acres and acres of dead chestnut trees and good chestnut boards sold for $12 a thousand. Back years ago, they used them bells on sheep. The bear didn't bother them quite as bad. Oh, the bear used to kill all the sheep. And uh, they've got a bell about twice as big as that one they used on their cattle. Then they could tell where they was at. The Kleins call these audio projects spoken histories. Oral history always sounds kind of dry and dusty, like something you'd find on a library shelf somewhere. But spoken histories are based on all these different interviews that we do, and then we uh, weave them together like a, like a cover letter or a, the top of a quilt so that each piece is is part of a much larger whole. 
My granddad was stationed at Camp Allegheny. It's just half a mile from the Virginia line. I will take you there and show you that. You see, along that road was called the Stanton and Parkersburg Pike. It went from Stanton, Virginia to Parkersburg, West Virginia. This is before the state become a union. We are currently working on a history of the Stanton-Parkersburg Turnpike, which connected the Valley of Virginia with the Ohio River way back in 1847, when it was completed as a rough wagon road across the mountains. Okay, so how do you go about getting the story on something that happened 170 years ago? Obviously, the people who did it and built it and designed it aren't, aren't still around to talk to. But if you begin poking around, you can find both historians and history buffs, people who have devoted a lifelong interest to a particular subject. So we like to go to specific people with specific experiences and specific stories and get them to sit down and look us in the eye and relax and just let it flow. My granddad was raised over as a Navy. And this Stanton and Parkersburg bike went down through the valley up here to come across the top of the mountain. It went up to where they had the battlefield, the Beverly. That's the way the old road went. I don't imagine how they built that road up again in the Allegheny Mountains back then because the steep country in there where it went up over that mountain from the way they wound around it to get up to the top, I bet you it's 12 miles, but they made a better grade the way they went in. That was when they had horse and buggy days. In the Stanton Parkersburg Turnpike, we interviewed between 50 and 60 people, and I think one of my very favorite interviews was with uh, Bosworth Kittle, a man who uh, just departed this life within the past year. He speaks with the weight of generations on his conscious mind. My granddad, well, he was a Civil War veteran. He was a rebel. He was on the rebel side. It was old Virginia then. He had four brothers in the army, three of them was killed. He was the only one who survived. He died in 1908, and I was born in 1912. Fifty or sixty interviews per project alone is a daunting task. And these aren't the kind of in-and-out interviews that we journalists often do. They take 60 to 90 minutes, maybe even longer. Carrie Klein says it requires a completely different approach. It's really an art of listening that we're working on. It's only in the context of deep listening that people tell things that they didn't even know they were thinking. And in that space, when that person is not being interrupted, when they realize that you're not going to go away, you don't have another appointment, you're not going to turn away or fidget, that you are completely involved in their story, as if you, as the listener, were in a river, being taken down a river. It might be uncomfortable, it might be muddy, you might get wet. 
but you're going to be changed as a listener and the teller is going to be changed. There's an unburdening and a realization that comes from telling in the context of someone who's really listening. When somebody is going into deep memory and sharing deep memory, they come eventually to interpreting that memory, something they may have never done before. And so you get this sort of aha moment when the dawn of realization is breaking into the whole arena of of interpretive thinking, critical thinking, when somebody is, in a sense, digesting their, their own experience. And that's the moment that I live for, that, that, that moment of realization, that, that dawning, that, oh my God, I never thought about it this way before, but now it seems to me that this is what really must have happened. Typically, a project for the Kleins takes six months to a year to complete. By then, they're totally immersed in the life of a community or region, especially among the local elders. They've also produced spoken histories of the Wheeling National Heritage Area, the Underground Railroad that carried African Americans from south to north, the award-winning Pendleton County Audio Driving Tour, plus other local heritage and traditions in Ohio, Southern Maryland, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina, as well as West Virginia. And of course, there's always music. That was Jack Vorbach. He was at least 80 when we recorded him in Romney playing his plectrum banjo, and he's playing with Karen McDonald on piano. And that was part of All Smiles Tonight. Hampshire County decided that when they turned 250, the oldest county in the state, they wanted us to make an anthology of all the music that represented them. Michael and Carrie aren't native to these mountains. Michael is from Washington, D.C., Carrie from New York City. But as the old saying goes, they got here as soon as they could. When Michael was seven, his family bought a small farm in Hampshire County. In Carrie's case, she came to Summers County two days out of high school. Today, Carrie has a master's in American studies and Michael a Ph.D. in public folklore. But he says a far more important influence in this work is that he never knew any of his grandparents. My whole life has been a sort of a search for grandparents. And there's another possible grandparent for me to talk to. When I get with older people, I just love them to death, and they know it. There's a low-green valley on the old Kentucky shore Where I wild many happy hours away A-sitting and a-singing by the little cottage As well as documenting our Appalachian heritage through voice, music, and nature, the Kleins also teach others to gather their own spoken histories and practice deep listening. For, as the Kleins say, you never know what somebody will tell you. And we'd float down the river in my little 
red canoe of my banjo sweetly I would play Here's Blaine Likens He'll wind things up for us He sat there in, in our recording sessions in Hampshire County for the All Smiles Tonight anthology for the, the county's 250th birthday He's a great fiddler, swing fiddler but he seemed a little discontent like there was something else that should go in this project and we said well like what well something like darling nelly gray he said from the old kentucky shore well one night i went to see her but she's gone the neighbors say the white man has bound her with his chain have taken her to Georgia uh, to wear her life away where she toils in the cotton and the cane Oh my poor Nelly Gray they have taken Oh, he said, can you sing it? Oh, I'm not a singer, he said. And Michael said, well, you know the words, maybe. We could learn to sing it if, if you would sing it now. They have taken you to Georgia to wear your life away and he's gone from the old Kentucky shore. He seemed to just become transported and as you hear more and more of the song, he just went somewhere else and sang the song from his childhood. and In a way, it kind of seems to represent our work because it's looking at race, it's looking at slavery, it's looking at love across lines. And I see my Nellie Gray Farewell to the old Kentucky For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jean Snedeker. Oh, my darling Nelly Gray, up in heaven there they say, that you'll never take you from me anymore. I am coming, coming 